guys. Welcome back to Into the Light, a different life story. My show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Down there is that funny button that says subscribe. Subscribe to me. Subscribe to me. Do that because you're stupid. You're otherwise missing all those fantastic guests that I'm bringing on here. And we all have our stories to tell. And I bring these, these guests on because I believe that they have shown that the past does not equal the future, that you can turn your life around. And there's so many lessons to learn. So why the hell do you want to reinvent the wheel? Do it all yourself. Why not listen to some of these guys um, who are just fantastic dudes and dudesses? And so come on, guys. So subscribe the button and see what the future brings. But no time better than to live in than the present. And right now I've got Job Neil with me. I'm excited to have Job on the show. The reason is we have so far talked about a lot of addictions, uh, typically chemical related, because that seems to be the majority of those things that sort of have come across my path. And that was my path in the past. Uh, but there are many other addictions out there, addictive behaviors from sex to gambling, from adrenaline rushes to all to eating behaviors. Um, so there are so many other uh, gambling issues that can be as destructive and as, as overwhelming and with all the same responses of guilt, shame, etc. So now gambling is one of them. And Joe, thank you so much for coming on to my show by actually opening up about that and being honest about that. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to um, share my story and I hope that it can help someone. Mm. And it is close to my heart. Um, when I was born in 1966 and around about 1970, the first memory that I've got is essentially a cup flying through the air from this way. And then a cup of uh, a box of cocoa coming this way across the scene and opening up and the cocoa spilling out in the air. And that was my first literal memory. And that was my mum and dad fighting over the fact that my dad had just been out literally on a bender, but uh, lots of smoking, some alcohol and lots of gambling. And he had used all the money that my mom had set aside for food for me. Um, so they were not happy mommy and daddy at that time. That was sort of one of the first memories. And that was gambling. That is, he spent literally 72 hours gambling around the clock. Um, so therefore, I'm grateful that you're there. And you probably, therefore, will also open up a few maybe painful memories in me. And that is life. That is, that is the cool thing with such a show. How did it all start with you? As a young, as a young boy, were you always into, into competitive games or, or how did it start with you? Yeah, I think, I think if, we, if we went really back, it probably is like competitive games because it wasn't so much, for me, it wasn't so much the, the horses or like you know, betting on sports matches or anything like that. It was really like the game style ones. Like was it was, and we can get into it later, but particularly it was poker and I had a few other card games and stuff that I liked, but poker was the, the vice, I suppose, if you will. Um, but if we were to go back to when it started, I think, and something I've noticed is a lot of 
Catholic all boys schools tend to seem to have this thing of like pretty much as soon as you having all the boys around, I think that like betting and gambling like happens a fair bit between each other. But then as you start to get to that legal age, you know, someone turns 18, the first thing they do is download one of the betting apps. Um, and from there, I think it just started to turn into something that like we all bonded over, like how we caught up was, you know, you would go to the pub and everyone would be putting money into the machines and, and, and watching the horses. And that wasn't so much me, but then we would go back to someone's house and we would play poker with each other. And, and it just, it, that's where it started. It grew from friendly games with friends and, and then, slowly you start upping the stakes and more money gets involved. And then, and then I looked outside of that and then I, and I found online poker and that, that was really where it started because then it started to become behind closed doors as opposed to uh, in the public and with friends where you can't really, you know, you're not going to lose thousands or like at least it's sort of, it's still kept friendly. And that's, of course, the issue that is much of addiction is playing out behind closed doors. And I can see where this bloody temptation of social media and apps comes in, because it you have to, to bring yourself to walk into a sleazy back alley and, and start somewhere. And, uh, you know, you have to find these places first where you can actually do poker um, against some, you know, I get all these kind of dark visions there. And, and um, yeah, it might actually be a bit uh, disruptive and distracting so you would not maybe naturally do these things but if it is just on an app there well, you just do it in the evening and it's so easy because you actually don't have money in your hand isn't it you have no that, idea that is, that is that is definitely the thing that i've noticed with it um it was like as soon as you even even before you put it into the put into your account online. I suppose having it on a card as well was just like, it was as easy as, you know, transferring from here to here. The money is never physically leaving your hand. So it doesn't mm. quite feel, doesn't quite feel as painful. You definitely have like a detachment from the money until you've either lost a lot of it or won a lot of it really. And, that, and that's the nature of, probably any addiction really is like the, these massive highs and these massive lows, these peaks and troughs sort of thing. What's your chance of winning in such a game? We always say that the, the house wins always. Um, I assume the same is with online gaming, is it not? Well, poker was a bit of a different one in the way that you are playing against, you're playing against other people. So, you know, the advantages and stuff are, are pretty minimal unless you're playing against someone way outside of your um, outside of your ability, I suppose is the best way to say it. Um, you know, and, and you're just you're not typically doing that. Um, I think that I think the biggest thing is that you kind of lose yourself in the game. 
there's a term in, in poker that's called um, going on tilt, which is basically like if you if you lose a few hands and you start to like get angry or you get upset, then your ability to, to read the game really just goes out the window. So suddenly now you're just trying to, you're in that mode of trying to win back your losses and you're just, you're doing things that you wouldn't normally do. And then it's like a really quick slide down because you just start to do things that are kind of out of the optimal game theory. I suppose that that's like a term that people use of like, you know, if you stick to optimal game theory, then then you'll win. You know, you're staying away from, you know, guessing and everything like that and you're sticking to what you should be doing, you know, according to the the best the best practices and stuff. Mm. Um, but in terms of who wins and everything like that, I think, you know, a really, really good player playing against, you know, people that are similar ability, their advantage becomes like, you know, little of 5% more sort of thing. It's not typically that someone else that's much, much better is going to beat everyone all the time because you just can't, it's cards. Some, anything can happen, you know, same with like blackjack, you could have, you would win, you could win 70% of the time, you know, every time that you do a certain action, but they're still thirty percent. Yet it is the adrenaline rush. Yes, it is the dopamine. What were the feelings that were driving you? Was it initially? Was it a high that it gave you? Was it distraction from your life? Was it forgetting pain, or did it just sneak in? It was, it was a bit of all of that. Um, so when I, I really got into it after school um, and around the time when I really started to, when I dove into like online and wanting to make that work was, you know, university wasn't going that well. I wasn't really interested in, um, I was doing law and commerce. And I just wasn't, I wasn't driven by that at all. Like I was falling asleep in classes. I was, you know, not doing any homework or anything. Like I just, it didn't drive me at all. And then I found this thing and like I was, I was obsessed with, I was watching all of the poker stars on YouTube and everything. Like I was watching his personalities as well. And I think it was, I, I looked at it as like, I attached myself to an identity yeah. within that. Like I, I wanted to be, those guys. I wanted to be that, like, I wanted to become successful with it. I think that it was an attachment to, I looked at it as becoming successful. There is a way that there was a path up the ladder and some people can do it. Some like there is a career for some people, but it's like the 1% of the 1% that can do that. Um, you know, and everyone, really everyone else, because it is so driven by, your ability to say discipline and emotion and everything like that. Yeah. Well, money's involved. How many of us can completely detach from money really once you start losing it, once everything like that starts happening. So for me, it was not having a whole lot 
you know, the things that I had set up and thought were the way to live life weren't going well. So I wanted to have, I wanted to have that identity and be that person. So for a long time it was a drive to be what my new version of success was going to be. And I think as I started to lose more money, it became, there was a deeper attachment to it because now I started to look at it as, well, I've, I've lost that money to learn these lessons. So I'm like, I'm getting better because <laughs> I've like, I, I'm learning more. You know, that, that was the mindset that was going on. And like, it was, if I, once it started getting a bit more in debt and everything like that and losing more money, it was like, I think it's hard to, you know, know, should I quit? I thought about it and I thought, well, I've lost all this money. You know, what, that would be for nothing. It was like that sunken cost mindset of like, you know, I can't lose all of that for nothing. Like I I need to, I need to win it back at least, at least, You know, or or it should all work out, which is of course a, such a natural thing, isn't it? You want to make meaning out of it. You want to to, and of course, your your brain gives you a lot of excuses why you she, should keep going with your addiction. So our brain is clever as hell when it comes to that. It it just warps the reality just a little bit and suddenly it makes perfect sense to you oh yeah of course no 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 we go back tonight is the night i feel it i know my left testicle is a bit higher than my right i feel it it's it's tonight is the night and yeah tonight is the night to lose more um and it is like that isn't it it is um and of course as always there are the moments that you win and then you feel justified And you say, yes, see, I told you, I told you, it's going to be right. What was the biggest win that you had? I think the biggest win I had was 1,500 from a tournament of, I think, 400 or 500 people. Yeah. I think, like, um, yeah, and and all of this was, I, I think the thing that, like, So at the time, I was only ever putting in $25 to $50 into my account at any time. I didn't have a lot of money at all the time. So it was like I was – it was like I would I would work one day a week and earn like $75 to $100 and I would put like three quarters of that, if not all of it, into, into my account and I would work it up slowly and work it up slowly. So I think I, I think I remember that being like I had worked up my account to like $500. I, this was a cycle that sort of happened a lot. I would put in money, I would get up to $500 or $1,000 and then lose it all in one day because of that, like just started losing and lost control sort of thing. I think I was down to my last $10. And I put it into a tournament thing. And that that was my biggest win. And of course, yeah. That is how you cement things, how you how you concrete an an abnormal idea and just say, hey, see, you know, that happened. Mm-hmm. Therefore it must be true. Therefore, it will happen again like that in the future. 
And how bizarre is that if you ever think about it? But our brain doesn't work like that. It wants to see that link. It looks for that link. And then once it sees it, it says, see, yay. And it's bizarre. Yeah. We're very biased creatures. Are we not? How many hours a day on the, on the, towards the end were you gambling? I think there were, it was five to six days a week, sometimes seven, that it was close to 10 to 12 hours, I reckon, wow. because wow. it was, and towards the end, I was working, I was working pretty much full time, if not like 30 hours a week. So it started to sort of phase out of poker a little bit, but I was, in terms of like it wasn't when I first started I didn't really have a lot to do during the day so it was just filling that time was that with COVID then, or was that with was that this was a while this was uh like three or four years ago hmm. um and then as time went on like life started progressing and I started like I started to get I got a part-time job where I was working a lot more hmm. um But the transition wasn't as much out of not playing as like just the hours. So now instead of playing from like, you know, as soon as I wake up to like when I would go to bed with maybe one break in between, it was I would get home from work, you know, work in a bar and I would, I would play, you know, until four or five in the morning and then, I'd sleep for four or five hours and I'd get up and I'd play just before I went to work. I'd play. So it was like this, you know, I was, I was barely sleeping. I think yeah. that like, that's something that like plays on us as well. We stop looking after our health and it, it makes you a lot weaker mm. to resist these things as well. You, you really like, you just subject to your brain, you know, this, this voice that you've created that's just, like you said, justifying everything. How bizarre is that, isn't it? But you have just described addiction in the, the most perfect way. It takes over your life and it plays you that little sweet symphony that everything is all right. And if I had asked you, is there anything wrong with you? What would you have said? Would you have said that you're in trouble or would you say, no, that's my lifestyle, that's my... You know, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. At, at the time I was very resistant to people that were questioning whether I was doing all right and everything. I, I was very much like, you know, no, 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 this is, it's like, the, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to like prove that this is like, that what I've, what I've built is something real. Um, so yeah, I think if anyone did say that like, you know, challenged whether or not it was valid or anything and there weren't many too many people that knew about it i kept it very very um private for a while so it was really only my parents that found out about it they they started checking my um bank details and stuff like that when they got the letter in the mail um when you so said they started questioning things what letter what letter was that It was like my bank statements that I came see. in the mail and they were already a bit suspicious. They started, they checked it and then like sort of added up over the three months, like, oh, geez, he's lost this. 
And in reality, it was a lot more because it was, it wasn't just the money that I was. And there's, there's always that thing with gambling. I think it's like, I've put in, oh, I've put in $50 and I won 500 and I lost it all, but I only really lost $50. Like, I think you lost 500. Like you, you can't like, you can say what you like, but in your, you know that you believe in your head. I lost, I lost 500. Yeah. So for me, it was, it, it was a lot harder than also what, what it looked like on the bank statement because I was like, it wasn't just what I was putting in. It was all this money that I was earning and then losing and then earning and then losing. So true. In the alcohol setting, we have got a CAGE questionnaire. And CAGE, C-A-G-E, stands for, did you ever feel you have to cut down? And then it goes on alcohol, but you can use the same things for the gambling. So uh, have you ever felt you should cut down on the gambling? Uh, A, have you ever felt angry when others talk to you about the gambling? The G is... Are you have you felt guilty about your gambling? And then E is for eye opener, which means basically the drink that you have to take in the morning to steady your nerves. So that doesn't fit with the gambling. But all the other three, you have just ticked all of them already without <laughs> without even pointing directly to it. You had all I of think, them. I think there is like an eye opener as well, though. Like I I had a few. There were a few scenarios like this, but one I specifically remember was because I was always trying to fit it in, like the time that I was trying to gamble and everything. I remember I just finished work and I spent like two hours on um, on one of the um, apps before I went to um, footy training. And... In that two hours, I think I lost like $800 like because I did this because I was trying to Shit. be so quick. You know, I was, I was like trying to, I was like, all right, how do I, how do I, you know, I, I started looking at it. I was like, how do I earn money for the day? Like how do I try and win this money for the day that I'm kind of like justifying like an income kind of thing? Like that was trying to, that was the end goal. So that was like what I was looking at in life. And I remember losing it so quickly. I remember getting to footy chain and just like, it was like everything was happening around me and everyone was talking so like, um, you know, jovial and everyone was really happy. But like I was, in my mind, I was just like, I've lost so much money and I can't talk about it with anyone. And like what? What have I done? You know, that was probably that was one of the moments where I went, "What have I done? Uh-huh. I've I've just like wasted three to four weeks of earning that money. Like I was, you know, every time it happened, I was like, you you've messed up your your opportunity, sort of thing. And then it would the next day I would wake up and it would be all right. Well, I've got to get back on. I've got to just try again. Hmm. 
And interesting, the eye opener refers to to something in alcohol. We have a drink in the morning. For you, the eye opener is literally an eye opening event. Um, so this uh, the cage questionnaire, a little bit redesigned, would fit quite nicely for the the um, gambling there as well, and probably for any kind of other addiction. Um, cool, I like it. Uh, I'm sure someone else had the same idea. So, so I don't think I'm the, the brainiest <laughs> rocket scientist on this world. Uh, but no, I like it because ultimately, because it just shows what addiction is. It, it is just this compelling behavior where we 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 do the same thing again and again, hoping for a different outcome, and which is the definition of insanity in its own right. So it's it's nuts, but it is there. So how long did the journey last for you? Uh, it was between two and three years. I can't actually remember now whether it was where it sat more so on two or three years. But, yeah, it was it was about that amount of time. Um, and time is flying, isn't it? Because you, you said yourself how busy you were. You were basically, there was very little sleep, lots of gambling, and by the way, oh yeah, I need to make some money somehow, somewhere. And that's that's your day gone. Did you do actually anything else? Did you have any other hobbies? Or did that all fall by the wayside? Um, I kept up with sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really it was it was really just it was pretty much I, I threw myself into work mm-hmm. as well. Like I tried to, I ended up like supervising that bar that I was working at. So it was going full time there. So it was trying to, really what I avoided was social situations. I think partly is that thing of like, that's where people start to, you know, inquire and ask, you know, how are you going? And you don't want to answer, you know, because it's hard to, even the best liars in the world aren't good liars, you know. And unless you're a psychopath, you know, <laughs> it, it's pretty easy for people to see, you know, you know, it doesn't sound like he's all right. Like he's, he's saying it, but like, you know, you can see in someone's eyes and someone's body language and throughout the whole, the rest of it. Um, so, so I think social thing was the thing that I, I avoided the most, but I, I tried to play it off as if it was more work that um that was keeping me busy and it, and it was to an extent because it was the nights when everyone would be catching up but i didn't try to catch up with people you know for coffee or anything like that because that was that was poker time were there other addictions that crept in as well often there is co-addiction or there is there is uh, cross-addiction. Um, it typically comes out more when you stop one addiction and then you another addiction takes over. Um, but were there other things that were equally there? And whilst you were playing poker, did you have a drink? Or did you have, did you go through sweets until there's no tomorrow? How was your nutrition like? Um, I was, I'm definitely a... Um terrible for sweets and and junk food it was a lot of like takeaway on the way home from from work and stuff like that to just eat so i can get right to right to playing um in terms of 
I mean, it's hard in Australia. I think like our alcohol consumption is looked at probably, you know, it wasn't any worse than anyone else around. I don't, I don't think alcohol was really a crutch or anything like that. But um, afterwards, I think that drugs and alcohol came in a bit more. Interesting. Yeah. Um, in terms of looking at those things, yeah, because there was still this, there was still a little bit of a void there after I stopped, where I was trying to <laughs> look at myself as successful and stuff like that. So that trying to numb that feeling was was there a little bit with um, the drugs and alcohol. Interesting, but not so much during. Yeah. Okay, and no, that's cool. And that's often enough how it works, isn't it? It is um, other addictions become distracting to the main addiction that you have got. Uh, the only exception mm. there is when when you're when you're really into drugs big time, and uh, you, you, let's say you you started off with cannabis and migrated to heroin or whatever it is, and then um, suddenly you can't get the heroin, you take anything else to numb the pain and you throw in whatever you can ever you get. So that's where things get messy. But ultimately, the you, you stick with one thing, at least in my, my thing, the gambling was, I guess, I, yes, <laughs> When I go back at, at uh, you know, just simple computer games, I could get very engrossed in that. And it was really arr, arr, there. And then six hours later, you think, shit, where did the evening go? Um, so there's that trait already of me as, a, as an addict is there. But alcohol was stronger. Alcohol was really the thing that got me. Um, and with hindsight, I don't know what would have been more expensive, in all fairness. Um, and looking at the amount of alcohol I drank, um, we're talking several tens of thousands of dollars. So, you know, we're, uh, that is per year. Um, so it is each bottle of wine as well, $10, $15. Um, bottle of vodka is $30. So, and do that every day. Well, that quickly adds up. That's the same with you. Yeah, and that's yeah. the, the crazy thing, isn't it? Uh, and here, that, 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 that is absolutely it's like a um, small but consistent you know it wasn't it wasn't that I was and don't get me wrong this happened sometimes but a, little, a lot more rare where I put in like you know $500 or $700, $700 but it was a lot more like you know just $25 to $50 a day mm. for, for a while you know, once I started earning more money and stuff mm. like that, that was exactly. the, you know, exactly. and that, that, that is the thing you start to, you find ways to, to feed a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. all right, how can I, you look for how to supplement it a lot more. <laughs> that was me with um, trying to work more. I was like, I need to, I need to, you know, start earning more to be able to incorporate this into my life. You know, that's not how I viewed it quite at the time. At the time, it was. Yeah. Uh, you're so right. Yeah, you're so right. It actually I, happened. I hear you. I hear you. Absolutely. God, we're really tight on money. I need to work more, not realizing that uh, working more gave me more stress and therefore more excuse to drink. And it's yeah. just, oh, mm-hmm. when you look at it, it's so fucking obvious. And at the same token, uh, when you're in the midst of it, no, no, you can't see it or you don't want to see it. 
you can see it. Mm-hmm. That's where the guilt and shame comes in. But then your brain comes up with, with beautiful constructs that explains it all to you very perfectly. And therefore, 95% of addicts, if they are asked, you know, are you, you know, are you all right? Absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Me, an mm. addict? Look at the guy down the road. He is an addict. Oh, look at him. Mm. That's an addict. Me? Nah, I'm all fine. I, that's my lifestyle. That's my, or whatever else you tell yourself. Fuck. What did your parents do? So they got the wake-up call looking at your bank statements and thought, bloody hell. So what was their response? Um, For a long time, it was like we skirted around the issue where we tried to have the conversations and everything. And um, they couldn't really do anything. I think that was the... That was the thing was, you know, there wasn't really a lot that what they did do was um, they stopped giving me access to any money that they, like, they wouldn't sort of give me any money. Um, not that they gave me heaps, but it was a little bit of money here and there for, like, you know, if something came up, you know, if if it was, you know, if a birthday, they told other family members not to give me money as well. And it was, I think it's, it's a hard thing as well when that stuff starts happening because then you start to sort of go, there's almost a, your brain wants to kind of like push them away and kind of look at them as like, you know, oh, how, how dare they do that? You know, you know, they're looking after you, but you're trying, you, you're like, they just don't understand. You know, you're pushing these little, these barriers more and more in the way. Um, but, but that was that was a, that was sort of how really they could deal with it. But inevitably, the only way that I could um, work through it really was, you know, actually accepting it myself. You know, the whole time that I was in denial about it, um, not, nothing could really be really be done about it. You're so right. Yeah, absolutely right. The was there a history of addiction in your in your family? Did your parents uh, drink, for example, or smoke, or um, not so much? My parents, if my dad's gambled and stuff, but not in the same way. So it was whilst people would put gambling into like one box, I think there is like a difference between the people that play the games and the people that mm. that bet. I think like one is like. Well, for me, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, I looked at it as the games and stuff. It's like, you know, there's strategy, there is stuff behind it, and there's the, the identity that I talked about earlier. Whereas I think the other one is like, you know, he's a very social and it was very, um, you know, just fun. Like there, there's no real like, you know, pathway that he was that he was searching for within that. Um, so I think I, I think they were fairly different in that way, but in terms of like it's definitely in my family. Like a few family members and stuff have had um, different types of addictions and stuff. I think something that my mum always said, even from a young age, you know, that I have a very addictive personality. She was she was very worried about 
um, drugs more so than anything else from a f- worrying from a few of the other family members that we had, but also just the way that I indulged in things. It was very much like, yeah, if my mum gave me like $10 for, for the bus, I would spend that all at the milk bar in one day and then find a way to get on the bus for free for the rest of the week. Or I would, I would walk to school and take the money and then come back to it halfway through the week and say like, oh, I, I spent half of the money on the bus, but I bought some lollies I shouldn't have. Like, you know, there was, there was a lot of that. So mum always sort of had the idea that that was bound for me in some way, shape or form. So it was on the cards. Ha ha. <laughs> no, it's okay. I hear you, my friend. I hear you. I hear you. Oh, and it is, but it is what it is. And uh, of course, you don't want to see it, but you were actually lucky because uh, you still have got both kneecaps. Last time I saw you walking, um, <laughs> you still have got all nails on your fingers. I mean, that's, you know, that's actually quite an yeah. achievement for a gambler. Um, I, uh, what can you say? It is, it is something. Any addiction that grabs you, it is the same story again and again and again. And luckily, for some of us, a wake up call comes at some stage. That wake up call might be you literally being dragged, screaming and fighting into rehab. That might be that you end up in jail and that uh, this thing. What? was the wake-up call for you? What what changed it? I think my one wasn't so much, because I, I had heaps of wake-up calls, I suppose, but without, I've always viewed it as you need something else to channel the same energy into. Otherwise, you're going to fall back into the same loop because Definitely. there's, you know, you haven't, there needs to be like this, you know, transformation and it's hard to really do. It's harder to do if you don't channel that energy. Um, so for me, it was going into, I found a mate came to a business idea and we, we started working on that together. And that really, it just, it was a complete shift. Like as soon as I went into that, poker wasn't really anything anymore because I had this new version of like, this is what I'm going to do. This is the, mm identity that I can now create and this is a pathway and if I do poker then then it's going to wreck this you know I can't commit to this if I don't have money with it so that's the way I've always viewed it you need something to channel that same energy into Mm. um yeah and and that is hard for a lot Mm. of people that Mm. on the chemical side it's hard for people to be able to do something like that but There've been so many studies that have shown mm. um, that type of thing. Have you heard of the the mouse trap, the mouse trap experiment? Mm-hmm. You tell it, yeah. tell it. I've I've heard it. <laughs> say, um, Johan Harrison did a um, TED talk on addiction, and he spoke about the the one study that we talked about that like really blew up our like where we based a lot of our knowledge on addiction was, you know, a a rat in a cage that had two water drips and like one was laced with cocaine. 
And of course, every single time it would go to the one that was laced with cocaine and it, it would overdose and die. Someone else came in, I'm not sure who it was, and they created what was called a rat park and they had a few more rats in there. They made it um, and they had activities. They had other things in there. And while some rats still took some of the lace, the water laced with cocaine, none of them died. All of them mainly had the other water and they all thrived and it was really like, eye-opening that, mm. you know, if we, I suppose that, that thing of channeling that energy into something else, you know, if you have nothing better to do than mm. to gamble, do drugs or drink, then that's what you're going to do. So, yeah, I think, um, and then he went on to talk about how Portugal has decriminalised um, all drugs over there and they put their money spent on criminalizing it into rehabilitation, not just in trying to get them better, but putting them into jobs. Absolutely. And, you know, and that changed everything, you know, because of course, if someone comes out of, they go to jail for addiction and they come out and they can't get a job, what are Absolutely. they going to turn back to? Absolutely. 100% agreed. And I love to hear that out of someone else's uh, mouth, not myself, because I keep keep spouting about that. And it's beautiful to, to see your conviction and to see your passion about that, because I 100% share share your, your assessment of the thing and share your the feelings about that. It is the opposite to addiction is connection. The opposite mm. to to addiction is recovery and living a life that is meaningful, that is that is there that you create where you take the reins in your own hand and you guide your horse, you your cart, you you choose where you want to go, and you take active steps and be there, be be purposeful in each moment and decide on a dream turn that dream in a very realistic picture as if you could touch everything and then take steps in order to achieve that dream that has now become a vision and before you taking steps it becomes a mission and suddenly by actually taking little steps there 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 you know by the time you have blinked you are so much further down that path you have completely changed without knowing it People look at you and think, what the hell? Who are you? And what have you done with Stefan? And so, and in this case, Joe, um, you know, this is how your life turns around. And that is what you have essentially done. So someone so actually... Even, even like, um, if we look at, you know, the way that, like, if we criminalise it, there's a, there's a shame behind it. But even, even without the legality with it, all these things. And, and with, if we look at like stigma, hmm. you know, what does, where shame makes us closed off. It, that's the thing that really like, you don't want to be judged by everyone else. You don't want to feel shame. So you, you don't open up and you're not honest about everything. So, and if you're not honest to everyone else, then you, you're very unlikely being honest to yourself. So on that, like, you know, whether it's, 
you know, legalized or whether it's internal or external, I think that's probably the, the biggest thing behind all of this stuff is like that shame behind it is that thing that really closes us off. So it's like if if you do know someone that's going through all of this stuff, it's like trying to you don't ever help anyone by shaming them into getting out of it. You know, you can't like, you can't bully someone out of an addiction. And I didn't, I didn't so much experience this from people, but it was a perception that I thought I would get. And so that's that, that, that would be any advice I would give anyone is to, you know, if you do have someone you think is in that scenario is trying to very much come from a understanding point of view and, and just, and just hold space for them to speak without judgment because that's how you start getting them to elaborate on things without, you know, so a man convinces, convinced against his will is not convinced. So they have to almost say it themselves not you tell them what the right thing to do is. 100%, right, 100%. That's exactly how transformation is allowed to happen. But it's a very, very hard thing for loved ones like your parents to observe and to not say a word, to not intervene, especially as men. We are fixers. When I come home, the first thing my wife likes to do, oh, bleh, and I get everything of the whole day, and and it's okay. But me, the fixer, wants immediately, oh, my God, that, that needs doing? Okay, I will do that. And she just wanted to share. She didn't want me to fix. And nowadays, I understand that. For a hell of a long time, I didn't. Uh, but we are. I am a fixer. I am. Give me a problem. I find a solution. I deal with it. Bob's your uncle. And that's if, if now I was put into the scenario where I have to just watch and let someone else make their, learn their lessons the hard way, that's torture. That's torture to me. And we need to realize that that is, I'm sure it was not a nice ride for your parents. Um, but things have changed around and they have changed around because someone believed in you. Someone came up with this business idea. What was the, the business idea? Uh, it was dropshipping. So um, it was e-commerce. Um, he came to me with like a business model and really all we had to do was just try and find products to fill this model, fill mm. the idea. And we did we did that for probably uh, two to three years. Mm. Um, and you know, it, it didn't it didn't go down perfectly. We again we we it was a we had a lot of lessons that we learned and stuff like that. <laughs> but it was um, at least um, it made sense. Okay. Yeah, but also, that energy into it. Yeah. But it also gave you then suddenly the, a meaning. It gave you actually a real job. It gave you something to be proud of. Um, yes, every job, as soon as we become self-employed, uh, there are a lot of lessons you're learning the hard way. Talk about losing money. But <laughs> at least now you're losing money um, in, in a way that you can actually look in the mirror and say, okay, 
you were stupid with that. You think that anyone would buy that. And now you have got, I don't know, 200 of these dumbbells or whatever you've got lying around at home. That is what it is. Okay. That is the same. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. And, and, and now I have that. And, and that, that really kickstarted my business now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I, there, I have no, no regret about that one. Unlike the, um, unlike poker. So it was, um, you know, any of those things, any of those things that we did start could have worked, Mm. you know, and and I could be in a completely different path, but it's led me down the path I am now. And that is, you know, again, it, it, it all comes from this, the same attachment to a certain identity Mm. that, that is sort of, that has grown a lot more now. So what was now the new shift? What was the new change? Um, so now it's um, a lot, a lot less focused on myself. Um, I left doing that business with my friend because it was all about, um, you know, how do we help us? You know, and I really tried to look for a way to to help other people. I knew that that was that was the path that I wanted to go down. It was like working with people and helping them to bring out their stuff. So. In the last year, I started a marketing agency and I helped coaches and consultants to grow their businesses, um, also to launch and promote courses. So it really depends on um, where they're at in their journey. I can help people that are just starting out, which is extremely fulfilling because there's a lot of people that, you know, they have a great message and they have a desire to really, really help people, but they're just not sure how to how to start marketing themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not really sure about social media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of just just guiding them along that way. And like the ability to help people, uh-huh. help other people is kind of where a lot of my mission for this business has sort of has has grown, you know, directly help, you know, a thousand, ten thousand people and if they all help, you know, thousand, ten thousand people, it's a pretty big impact. Shit, yeah. Oh no, that's beautiful. But where did you get the skills in order to do that? Uh, all from the business that I did, my friend. So that all of that marketing and stuff that we did together, uh, of course, you know, has, has given me the ability to to show that to other people yeah. and, and make sure that other people don't make the same mistakes that I did. That exactly. that is probably the biggest part of. Yeah of where I've started the business, you know, is, is like, how do I, these are people I want to help first. Yeah. And I can guide them through the steps that I'm going through now to, yeah. to grow a business. But in the beginning stages, you know, avoid this, this, and this, and just focus on this. It's nice. really. Nice, 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 nice. And it just shows because what you have done, essentially, you have taken pain and lessons that you have learned dealt with that and then use the lessons towards something different you have become a very different man once you stopped the gambling but you chose a different path a different energy that 
guided you down the, the line of dropshipping. You you built up a new persona in you that you were able to be proud of. And then when you felt enough is enough, there was another sort of catalyst, there was another crossroads, and you now branched out into something. But again, what you're doing is you're actually utilizing your past as very powerful drivers and as very powerful memories that guide you now towards your moral compass, towards the direction that you want to go. And you would have never been that man now had you not gone through the darkness of gambling, had you not had these experiences that made you grow up in a way that many others will never grow up. So ultimately, whilst we beat ourselves up for what we have done as addicts, I believe that you are the classic example of someone who has come to terms with his past and is now utilizing it as a, as a, as a strength. And that says a lot. That says a lot about the size of your kahunas. Um, it, it takes backbone to, to actually do that and come out and say, this is me. Yep. Yes, that's the vomit on my T-shirt. Want to see it? Uh, but actually absolutely yeah exactly there's, there's people don't want to learn from someone that is had a you know an easy an easy path and mm. and just had the perfect run you know mm. they that doesn't come from a point of view of you know well you can understand some of the context that's going on because you've had you've been through the same mistakes you know pe people are a lot more focused on and this is something i tell people they're trying to do well, the coaches that are trying to help other people is, yeah, you're not trying to show that you're you're perfect and you've never mm. made mistakes. So follow me. It's no. No. I've made your mistakes. <laughs> help me show you how not to make them again. Exactly. You know, that that is probably the biggest part about you know any coach. You you essentially selling to a previous version of yourself. Um, exactly. And in terms of the story, you know, we said it um, a little bit earlier, but either you own the story or it owns you. So you sort of, you, they're the two options that you have. You've, you've kind of got to choose, you know, if, if you choose to be shameful about it, then it's going to make you feel shameful. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot to be learned and a lot to be gained from having it. So... Mm -hmm. Yes, so use so, it. Right. so right, man. Cool. Job, if if your message rings a bell with our listeners and viewers, and if they want to get you to know you a little bit more closely, um, how can they find you? What what are you offering? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn or you can add me on Facebook. Um, I also have a Facebook group called Course Marketing Secrets for Coaches and Consultants. So um, if you want to reach me on a personal level, reach me on the personal stuff. If you want to go on the more the professional way, you can also do that as well. If you are a coach or consultant, I join the group. There's a lot of great content in there. Um, mm. Yeah, they're, they're the two. They're the three ways. Brilliant. And have a look down there into the description of the video and of the uh, podcast. Uh, all his information is there with links. Uh, so. Don't be shy. Check him out. I mean, Job, I'm so grateful that you joined me today and that you were so honest about your, your path. It, I was astounded to see 
so many similarities with my own life and uh, the similarities you you basically described my life and we just our outlet was just different otherwise the preoccupation with it or the flow on effects of it the drive why we did it it's essential uh, essentially it's 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 the same it's 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 there it is it's actually quite astounding and it just shows that the different uh, addictions out there that are all driven by the same underlying principles in our brain so therefore yeah guys out there if you if you are are suffering from an addiction we're just one in three chance that's the chance of 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 an addiction out there um you are not alone you feel shame, you feel guilt. Well, guess what we have done. Um, there is the same there. We are all the same. You are not alone. And more importantly, look at Job. Look at me. We got our shit together. And well, we're still getting our shit together because this is an ongoing journey. <laughs> okay. This is not something where you say, Yay, I'm cured. Great. <laughs> let's try again <laughs> i've got new ideas for really bad bad choices <laughs> no <laughs> the problem is it's an ongoing ongoing journey so you either choose to get better and work on this new and improved version of you or you choose to do nothing and that automatically means that you're giving in to the bad version that will crawl back and that will try to to get you to do the same stupid things that you did in the past Maybe with a minor variation, but it's still, it will end up in tears, guaranteed. So now, look at Job, and, and, and if, if anything from him has gelled with you, get in touch with him. Don't be shy, okay? So do the right thing. Look after yourself. Learn to love yourself. Scars, vomit, everything, that is you. But the past does not equal the future. Okay, you choose the next the next chapter in your book. You write that bloody chapter. Don't let anyone else write that because it's your your book. Okay, so go for it, guys. Job, thank you so much for coming onto my show. It was an absolute honor, and, and I'm very very grateful that you that you were so humble and honest and open about your addiction. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me on. I love what you're doing. I hope um, I hope we were able to help someone today. I hope this um, some of this gave a little bit of um, some good advice out there. <laughs> there was shitloads of that today, and I'm very, very grateful for that. You guys out there, stay strong. You can do it. Look after yourself. Bye. Dream on.